turn in your phones or your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. It's right in the middle of your phone. If you open your phone, it should be directly there by Psalms. And if you cannot find that, keep looking around. You've got a Bible app in there, I'm sure. Look around for it. If you have your Bible, if you're old school with that, then open up your Bible to the middle. If you still can't find it, have the person next to you help you. Help you find it. And if you still can't find it, shame on you. No, I'm just joking. All right, we're going to turn. We're going to look in Proverbs today, a wonderful book, a book of wisdom. And uh, we're going to see what the Lord has for us. The book of Proverbs in chapter 1 and in verse 1 is where we're going to look. We're going to start out right at the beginning. We're going to read some um, verses here, and then we're going to look in at a couple other things. The title of my message today is Keep It Simple Center. Okay? Think about that. Um, and I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I'm not going to narrow it down or anything like that. What we're going to do is we're just going to keep it simple because we're all a bunch of sinners. So we're going to look at this today. And you're like, man, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, we're going to be, yeah, just hold on. Just wait. Just give me a second here. All right, here we go. Proverbs chapter 1 and in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise instruction, wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house when the doors are open. We thank you for the assembling of your children. Father, I pray for each and every person here. Lord, help me to deliver the message that you have in a way of humility and a way of clarity. Father, oftentimes uh, uh, someone who speaks, Father, can get in their own way. And Father, I pray that that would not happen today. Lord, you'll have me to say exactly what you want me to have, want me to say no more and no less. Father, I pray you'll bless the service today. Bless those who are out, those who are watching on live stream. Lord, you'll be with them. I pray, Lord, you'll just bless us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, all countries have Proverbs. When we look at the book of Proverbs, some people read through Proverbs, they'll read through uh, like a, a chapter a day because it lines up with the uh, days of the month and all like that. So it's very, very popular, or uh, I guess you could say it's very wise to read through that, to constantly read through the book of Proverbs. All countries have Proverbs, though, the distilled wisdom of the cultures, you might say. And in fact, we know some, even if you can't think of a lot of them off the top of your head, I've jotted some down, okay? And I want you to help me finish these. Actions speak louder than words, all right? A penny saved is a penny. Honesty is the best. When in Rome, do as the Romans. Yes, Romans do. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. We just had a discussion with the kids uh, the other day about that. But we don't have chickens. It was something else. 
Where there's smoke, there is... Yes, that's a, good, that's a good one to remember too. The early bird gets the... You can't have your cake and eat it too, which is strange because every birthday party, that same scenario plays out and they do eat it. So I've never really understand it, but it just hasn't made sense to me. Anyways, we're going to move on. You can explain that to me later. Don't bite the hand that... All that glitters is not. Every cloud has a... The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Huh, not, a lot of people knew that one. Um, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Yes, there, here are three of my favorites. Two wrongs don't make a right, but two rights made an airplane. That's a really good one. Think about that for you history buffs out there. Think about it. If at first you don't succeed, skydiving might not be for you. There's another good one. And the all-time greatest is, it's not real if you don't post on it, post it on Facebook. So think about that. It's not real if you didn't post about it on Facebook. All right, so that's another good one. I've actually coined a phrase with my Wednesday night group of kids over there um, because during class from time to time, I'll have kids that will be staring directly at me, paying attention. They're just picking their nose. So... It's, I'm not, Jackson's here, but I'm not going to say anything about Jack. Actually, it's not Jack, it's his cousin. So, we, uh, you have kids who are doing that. And I came up with this proverb, this American proverb, thought-provoking. I didn't tell him I came up with it. I said a wise man said that, because then that gives credence. A wise man once said, and then you can say whatever you want to. And I said, if you pick your nose, your nostril will be clean, but your finger will be dirty. Think about that. Now that, you have to, the thought-provoking bit of wisdom there, it did not help at all. They still do that, uh, so they have not heeded the advice that I tried to give them. Okay, so most of the ones that we mentioned here today are considered sage human sayings, okay, when we look at that. But the Proverbs of the Bible are much more than that. They, I thought one guy said this, so this is very interesting. He said, they embody the philosophy of heaven for the benefit of the people living on earth. But that's pretty good. A proverb in the Bible, it embodies the philosophy of heaven for the, for the benefit of the people living on earth. A proverb is to instruct in a simple to understand way. And we all appreciate that, especially if you're in school and you have problems learning and other stuff like that. Can you simplify this down for me so that way it makes sense? And if it makes sense for me, then I can learn it. It's the same thing with if I'm learning a piece on the guitar or the banjo or something like that. If I can simplify what I'm looking at in my brain, then I can add to it and get it more complicated if I want. Um, but I need, I need it simple to begin with. So these Proverbs are written to the simple. They're written to the wise, to the greatest, all the way down to the least. Now the word translated Proverbs is Mishlei. And Mishlei is derived from a root word that means to rule. And we see that in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 3. Mishlei are rules that we're supposed to govern our life by. The book of Proverbs is not simply a collection of bits of human wisdom. It is a literally God's rules. So what we do is we start out with the first verse of the first chapter of this amazing book. And let's look there again. Proverbs chapter 1 and in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And this might seem like a simple introductory statement, um, but it's actually more. It tells us who the primary author is. The primary author is Solomon. Now we go, okay, we know it's Solomon, but picture this in your mind. 
Solomon is considered by many to be the wisest man to ever live. Many people consider that, other than Jesus Christ, of course. From his earliest days, Solomon could observe the living example of Israel's greatest and godliest king, who would be David, his father. He was actually able to speak to David. We have questions about that. He could, he could absolutely talk to him. David was a man after God's own heart. We know about David's fall into adultery and deceit and murder and how he had repented um, of that. But we can imagine the long hours that Solomon must have spent with David. He's the prince. He's around the king. Now, it's different than today where we're around our children a lot more than they were back then. But you can imagine that growing up, he would have spent time with his father. He would have listened to the heroic stories of his father's youth. Imagine for a moment David telling how David killed Goliath. So we have the account of it in the Bible, but imagine David going down there and going, oh, actually, so this is what happened. Dad, can you tell me the story again? My kids will ask me to tell them stories. Stories not about me necessarily, stories I've made up. I made up this this kid, it's like this medieval kid, his name is Cap, okay? Like bottle cap. And Cap goes on these adventures. Can you tell us about the adventures of Cap? So I have all of this stuff. And so I'll tell them stories about that. Well, and they'll ask for that at, at the dinner table when we're driving on the road, all that stuff. Can you imagine though, Dad, can you tell us how you killed the giant? <laughs> can you tell us how you did these things? He could do all of that, okay? Stories and details not recorded in the Bible could be recounted to the young prince from the great king. He knew all about his father. We have to rely on the Hebrew histories and the hymn books for our knowledge, but he could talk to people such as Joab and Abishai and other people like that, and he could even cross-examine his father. The question's out there, why did David pick up five stones from the brook? And you hear a bunch of stuff talk about that. He could actually ask him, Dad, why did you pick up five stones? Why did you choose that stone that you saw? He could do all of that. He could ask all of those questions. So I think it's fascinating. Now, who would Solomon have access to during his childhood, the time of his childhood up through his young adult years? You can imagine that his teacher probably would have been Nathan the prophet because of how close he was to King David. Okay? So he has access to men of God, the greatest teachers, a godly father who loves the Lord, Solomon had access to all of these things, more so probably than any other person in history. No doubt he was encouraged to memorize the early books of the Bible. God blesses him with a keen intellect, a teachable spirit, an eager curiosity about life, and a disposition towards spiritual things. We even know later whenever God asked him what he wanted and he, he requested wisdom, and God gave him that incredible wisdom that is still talked about today. Solomon knew David in his mature years after he had recovered from some domestic and political disasters that had overtaken him earlier. He knew David when David was holding in trust the enormous stockpiles of money and materials for the temple project. All of that stuff was to fall onto Solomon. So if we're to appreciate, think about this, the moral, social, physical, political, religious, and spiritual upbringing that Solomon had before he wrote this book, we must take into account the early scriptures, the books of Samuel, the Psalms of David, because he had access to all of those things, all of that knowledge. So when we read the first verse of the first chapter of the book of wisdom, we're given a statement that has a 
ton of history behind it, okay? Ton of history. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. Now, if we sum that up, the wisest man to ever live was used by God Almighty to record Mishlei, God's rules to govern our life by. We can understand that, okay? So this book, the book of Proverbs, is a book of profound wisdom. Now, there are four things. Let's look at our first chapter there. There are four things we need to understand when we look at this before we move on. We got some other stuff that we're going to look at here. These four things, these are some of the reasons Solomon wrote this book. Okay? The first thing we see, one of the reasons why Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs is to recognize the truth, for people to recognize the truth. And that's very, very important. Proverbs 1, and let's look in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. So we need to recognize the truth. Okay? That's a good rule to live by. We're going to jump through these quickly. Number two, the second thing we see, we first see we need to recognize the truth. The second reason why he writes this is to receive the truth. So we recognize it and then we receive that. Let's look in verse three. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. So we're not just to know the truth. We're not just to recognize it as truth. And that's very important. Okay, nothing in this Bible is fake news. Isn't that good? Nothing in here is fake news. It's not written with an agenda that is outside of what God has for us. This is God's word. No fake news in there at all, especially whenever you get uh, into all of this stuff today. It's just, it's hard to sift through everything. It's hard to recognize the truth. That's why we're given God's word because it doesn't change. So when cultures change, in times change, God's word stands for ever and then it doesn't change and then we can always go back to that and we use this as the looking glass um, through which we should judge society and ourselves so we recognize the truth we need to receive the truth we see in verse three the next thing we see the third thing is to relay that truth let's look in verse four to give subtlety to the simple this is relayed to the young man knowledge and discretion so we're to recognize the truth we're to receive the truth then we are to relay that truth. Number four, let's look in verse five. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. We are to remember the truth. It continues. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. So Solomon here gives us the reason, the reasons that he wrote this. He lays that out. He wants us to recognize truth. He wants us to receive truth. He wants us to relay the truth and then remember the truth. It's very important too, we're not going to focus on it today, but to remember. Not just, we see in history, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. We see that as another proverb. So we think about the Bible though. What, what is the first thing that Moses did whenever they crossed the Red Sea? He stopped. He said, this is wonderful. And then he said, hey, let's take account of this and let's remember what has happened here so we don't forget. Remember, remember, remember. Now Solomon here draws a line in the sand. So having shared his purpose, our purposes for writing the book of Proverbs, Solomon states the first and the foremost fundamental principle of obtaining wisdom. Let's look in verse 7. Here we go. I want you to read it with me. Verse 7, here we go, let's read it. One, two, three, go. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. One more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Man, we get the, the double-sided coin there, okay? The word translated fear simply means reverence. Here, when we look at that, it occurs 14 times in the Proverbs, to fear the Lord. So unless the Lord is enthroned on our heart, this is important, there can be no real knowledge of truth. There can't be. There cannot be real knowledge of truth unless we have God ruling in our heart. And all the world's religions bear witness to this. The violence of Islam, the idolatry of Hinduism, the quest of Buddhism, the pride of atheism, all striving after knowledge and wisdom but missing the mark, okay? Because instruction must be given of the Lord and the book that He has written, the book He has given us. Herein lies, when we look at your Bible, the Bible that you hold in your hand is the beginning. It's the beginning of knowledge, okay? We have it all right here before us, all right? So, Let's see the second part of that verse. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. <clears throat> you don't, please, don't raise your hand. Have you ever encountered in your life a fool? Not someone that you just really don't like, but someone from the Scripture who the Bible says, that person is a fool. Stay away from them. You're going to end up in trouble. We've all encountered people like that before. The Bible tells us Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon here is saying that it is the height of human folly to ignore the Bible and hope for wisdom. Can I get an amen? I think that's tr the truth. It, we ignore the Bible and then we hope for wisdom. We cast the Bible out of our schools because it has no room in our home and then we wonder why there's chaos in our streets. Does that make sense? We have no use for it. So we throw it out, and then you look at all of this crazy stuff going on. My goodness, we drove um, around Portland going to um, the, the, the coast uh, the other day, uh, the other week. And it's just, it's just a reminder when you go around places like that, the chaos that is spread whenever you remove God's Word from parts of society, especially like our schools. So we cannot hope for wisdom without this book. Let's look in Proverbs chapter 1. We're still there. We're about to jump around a little bit here. And let's look in verse 8. Now Solomon continues. Teens, wake up. This is for you. I'm coming your way. My son, hear the instruction of my father, and forsake not the law of my mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace to thy head and chains about thy neck. That understanding continues with showing respect to our parents. This is to the teens. All right, Chad asked me to do this. So I'm going to do it. No, I'm just joking. Uh, this to the teens. Do you know, <clears throat> we all know our parents are not perfect. And you're like, what? Are you crazy? No, they're not. They know that. You know that. Miss Georgia knows that. She has told me on several occasions. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So our parents aren't perfect. Okay? Why is it that God points out something here in the very beginning of the book of wisdom about instruction of the Father and forsaking not the law of your mother. It's because we're to get that right at a young age and it will make life a lot easier. How we treat our parents, how you treat your parents, 
tells others all they need to know about your character. How you speak to your parents tells others all they need to know about your maturity level. It's very, very important that we listen to what God's Word says about that. Well, my parents, I've heard this before, my parents don't respect me. My parents just don't respect me. Why? It's because your age? Are you supposed to be respected because you are a certain age? No. At a certain age, uh, respect doesn't mean anything when it comes to that. I've got kids in my Wednesday night class. This is the truth. Before the Lord, I've got kids in my Wednesday night class that I have more respect for than I do some grown men. Some men who are business owners. Some men who are liars and cheats. I have children who do what's right who I respect more than grown men. So respect has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with action here. The Bible tells us even that Samuel was respected at an early age in the temple. I was on my senior trip uh, many years ago. Has anyone ever been to Washington, D.C. before? D.C. before, it's very fascinating. You cannot go there just one day and that's it. If you're going to do the Smithsonian's and all that, it's just incredible. Um, so we were going up through there. I was on my senior trip. We were traveling up through. We're going to go to Washington, D.C. for a couple of days and then we were going to be in New York, Manhattan, and all that. And then we're going to come back down to Philadelphia, uh, uh, and we're going to see the Liberty Bell and other stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. Well, we were there on the Capitol tour. And if you've ever been on a tour of the Capitol, this is many, many years ago. I was figuring out the math, how many years ago it was that I went on that. And I was like, it's almost 20 years. I can't believe that. Anyways, so life flies. Life, life flies by. I'm like, 20 years? I'm one of those people who could have a 20-year class reunion you know anyway so all that stuff has blown my mind i've been depressed all week so we'll just move on anyways so we're at the capitol tour and we're there there's a lot of us we're in the hallway a lot of us for a christian school and we're all lined up and my buddy he's standing in front of me and he's getting really really tired from standing in line but you're waiting in line you got to go through security and not nearly as much as there is today and we're standing there and he's so exhausted I don't know how all these girls are still standing, but he can't stand anymore. So he, oh, he's got a collapse on the ground. So he sits down on the the floor, and he's waiting there. So we're all standing in line, just waiting to go through. Well, he's sitting on the floor. People are having to walk around him in the hall. I'm like, dude, get up. Get up. This is embarrassing, you know. When you're you're that age, you're really worried about the type of stuff. You're going to embarrass me. So he's sitting there. Well, a security guard comes by, and she says, excuse me, sir, can you get up? He ignores her excuse me, sir, can you please get up? I need you to get up. You're blocking the way. Well, he gets up. Man, she leaves, and he is piping mad. How dare that security guard disrespect him like that? So we're standing there, and then I'm telling you, for the next 10 minutes, I'm listening to how the security guard has disrespected him, and that is not how you're supposed to act. He's acting like this. And horrible attitude over and over and over again. And finally, I'd had enough of it. That's a good thing. If you're a real friend, you can speak your mind to your real friends. Okay? So I had enough. And I said, why should she respect you? And he said, what? And I said, you're sitting on the floor. She asked you to get up nicely. You did not acknowledge her. Then she asked you again and a third time and explains it. And then you get up. And you're the one who's disrespected. She's just doing her job. 
Why should she show you respect? That's the only question I'm asking. Why should she show you respect? You've given her no reason to respect you. And it was silent. And then we stood in line, and we didn't talk for 30 minutes, and then we were buddies again. So there you go. That's how you, sometimes you just got to work through, got to work through that stuff. He hadn't earned respect, and we all, we all know people like that. Okay, they feel like they, they deserve something when they haven't earned it. So, if you want wisdom, you need to show respect for your authority. It doesn't say all authority, for your authority. And then you gain respect, and you're trusted with authority. Why? Because you will have earned it. You will have earned it. Notice that Solomon did not say, listen, and like it. You're going to obey your parents, and you're going to love every second of it. He didn't say any of that stuff at all. This is what he said. He said, if you will listen to your parents, it will be a blessing to who? You. If you will heed the instruction of your mother, you are the one who will benefit. Okay? So he's helping us out. It's not shackling us with rules. Okay? So Solomon now has done that, and he's laid the groundwork. The wisest man on earth, what has he done? He's told us the purpose of this book is to gain wisdom. And the prerequisite, that's a really hard word for me to say, prerequisite. There we go. Got to say it slow. I'm from the South. Don't worry about that. All right. The prerequisite of gaining wisdom is to have a fear or a reverence of God. Does that make sense? Am I making sense today? Sort of, maybe. Go back and listen to it again and it'll maybe make sense a little bit. So God told us the purpose of his book is to gain wisdom. The prerequisite of gaining wisdom is to fear the Lord. We need to understand this book. For to do it, we're to, we're to have reverence for the Creator. Now, I like to call this the stage for the introduction of heavenly instruction. So you can write that down real quick. I put that together. I thought it sounded pretty good. The introduction of heavenly instruction. So Solomon here has hundreds of sayings to put in the book of Proverbs. Hundreds. We don't understand that he didn't pin every single one of those, but there's about 915 total. Now, where does he start? Okay, nine words. Let's look in Proverbs 1, and let's look in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. I'll read it again. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The word is, the, the verse there is simplistic to its core. Solomon got right to the point. In this world, you're about to see me go crazy on a fly up here in just a minute. I need one of those uh, electric fly swats. Why? We have water up here. This is a huge blessing. Now we need a, an electric fly swat up here. Just hang it on the side just until September's over. Then we'll move on. All right, so Solomon gets right to the point here. He says, in this world, there is an unashamed, unblushing, if that's even a word, invitation to sin can i get an amen yeah i think you can go anywhere now we don't have to go places you have your own phone the world from the very outset at the beginning of the day there's an invitation for christians to fall into sin to engage into sin every single day there's the beckoning voice of the world come on come on Listen, we're not going to do what you're going to do, but you can certainly join in our party and we'll take anybody. Come on, it's going to be fine. 
The first thing he says, Solomon, here is, is when you wake up every day, there's a sinful world calling you. And what this verse means, if you're struggling with the meaning of it, this is what Proverbs 1, 10 means. It means just say no. Just say no when you look at that, okay? There's no secret to unlock. There's no feat to accomplish, no journey of enlightenment to take, no special prayer to memorize and recite at the per perfect moment. He's telling us to keep it simple, sinner. Just say no. The power of no. Think about this for a moment. When has saying no really helped you in your life? It, it can change your life and it can save your life. At crossroads and decisions, so oftentimes the correct answer is no. No. We have to learn that. It's changed lives. Now, say no to who? All right, I want you to think about this, okay? So look at our verse there. What I want you to do is I want you to keep your finger right there where we're at, and I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 12 real quick, okay? Turn over to Mark chapter 12, or scroll over, whatever you're doing there. Scroll over to Mark chapter 12. Close Facebook. Cl well, it's not Twitter anymore. Close X and uh, Instagram. I don't know, do they have Bibles on Instagram? Bible verses? I don't know, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. All right, so what we see here is you're in... You're, in, you're moving over to Mark, but let's stay in Proverbs as well. We're going to be double-minded here, all right? So we're going to have our place in Mark, and we're going to have our place in Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. Now, say no to who? Now, this is what is very interesting when you think about this. It would appear that Solomon is warning us about a particular group, a very particular group of individuals. If you continue to read through Proverbs chapter 1, we see a wild bunch. Talking about some crazies. Okay, if you think your friend is a little crazy, hopefully they're not this crazy. These people crave the blood of the innocent. Yikes. That's pretty intense. They run to do evil. They destroy themselves without knowing it before it's too late. They set traps that they themselves fall into. They are fools, is what the Bible tells us. They hate instruction and they despise wisdom. Okay, so we look at that, and this is what we do. My son of sinners and I say, consent thou not, and here's the type of people you don't need to consent to. But it's, you, we would think that that's how it would be. Now let's, take, let's keep looking at this, okay? So Solomon here swiftly uncovers the true nature of the wicked, and we're all in, in, agree, in agreement, okay? Don't hang out with murderers. All right, I'll note that in my Bible. Murderers are a big no-no. All right. Thieves, okay, don't hang out with thieves. You'll get blamed yourself. All right, fools that are looking for trouble, okay? Watch out for the person with fool written on their forehead. And then we'll go through the whole thing. We're very careful for these people that are doing blatant, open sins. And we would consider, we would think about the word. I want to talk about two Hebrew words here. We can imagine that the Hebrew word used to describe these people would be ra'ah, R-A-A-H. That is the word used for wicked people in the Bible. We see that many times. Over 600 times, I believe, that word is used. It means someone who is wicked. It means to vex. It means an adversary. It means adversity, calamity, affliction, to cause sorrow. It means wretchedness. So we see that ra'ah word. It's a very, very potent, powerful word. And it describes those mentioned as examples here in Proverbs chapter 1. But when we look back at the verse, 
verse 10, we find a simplistic and broad statement. My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The word translated here, sinners, is one of the mildest Hebrew words for sin. It's kata. Kata. If you can say that, then you can speak Hebrew. It's incredible. Okay? It means to miss the mark. It means to stumble. It means to fall. It does not mean abject wickedness. What it is here, it is the word used for all sinners. Let me translate that. Kata, the word here, sinners, that entice thee, implies to all of us. You and me. Solomon's talking about everyone, not just wicked people who are, are looking to murder or do stuff like that. He's talking about every living person. And God's rule to begin this book of wisdom is as follows. If anyone encourages you to engage in any type of wrongdoing, don't do it. Don't do it, is what he's saying. We're all sinners. Listen, we're all sinners who interact with other sinners in this thing called life. And we need, desperately need, to build the habit of saying no. No to other sinners. Okay, that's it. The simple message to all people. But man, it's incredible how we try to overcomplicate things. If you're turned to Mark chapter 12, let's look there. And in verse 28. Our problem is, is that we think it can't be that simple. There are secrets to success, secrets to finance, secrets to advancement in this world, secrets to building a good business, secrets to building a good YouTube channel, secrets to building a brand, secrets to building a house, secrets to building a building. Ask Bob the Builder. So there's all types of stuff. It's incredible. There are secrets and tips how to do all of these things. And surely there must be a secret to happiness and to wisdom. There's no way it can be that basic. But Solomon tells us to keep it simple, sinner. Don't do it, just say no. And we can forego the turmoil that the fools find themselves in, that they have caused themselves. Christ himself took a simplistic approach to his commandments. Mark 12 and verse 28, let's take a look there. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? These scholars debated among themselves which of the commandments carried the most weight. And if you've ever dealt with kids, have you ever noticed that sometimes kids have a pecking order? Ever noticed that before? Uh, Dad, are you going out to the garage? Yes, I'm going out to the garage. Who's in charge while you're gone? No one's in charge. I'm just going to the garage. Well, if something happened, who would be in charge? It does not matter. Nothing's going to happen. Like, are you foretelling my doom? You know, careful. So, uh, Daddy's not climbing up a ladder, you know. So, uh, well, suppose you and Mommy went to the store. Who would you want to... No, we're not doing hypotheticals. We're not doing anything like that. There's always the pecking order. Um, Nabo will... I'll be, we'll be watching college football or something like that. And they'll have the little thing on the bottom. And it will be like the Kansas City Chiefs playing the New England Patriots. Dad, who would you, who is better, the Patriots or the Chiefs? Uh, probably right now, the Chiefs. The next one comes up. Who's better, Atlanta or the Seahawks? Probably the Seahawks. Who's, so we'll go through the whole thing. Then he'll compile those in my, his brain. 
who's better, the Chiefs or the Seahawks? I'm like, Neva, please, please, can we watch this? I don't want to build a whole thing, build a whole thing just yet. But sometimes we do that. We need to see who's best, who's in control, who's in charge. Uh, that happens all the time at my house. And it's okay 400 times. But that 401 time, then you start to go bad. You start to pull your hair out. Uh, Dean Bean said, what was it? Oh, everything is awesome. The kids watch this Lego movie, okay? They watch the Lego movie. And Dean Bean sang the first line, everything is awesome, 600 times, I'm estimating, uh, yesterday. So finally, I was like, I'm working in my office. I'm trying to finish the last little bits of this. And I was like, oh, okay. Dean, we need to stop, my friend. <laughs> let's, let's work on another song there. But anyways, they're creatures of habit, as we all are. But I love them. Anyways, we're going to move on. So the scholars debate here. Father, which, uh, uh, Jesus, which one carries the most weight? The Jews had recognized 613 Mosaic laws there. Commandments in the Mosaic laws. 613. Of all of these to sift through, which one is the greatest of all of these? Because over time, we know the scribes, who considered themselves to be great geniuses, they had really shifted focus onto a lot of um, uh, religious uh, traditions and other stuff like that. Verse 29, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is here, O Lord, the Lord of our God is one Lord. He's talking about Deuteronomy there. And verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Next verse. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Isn't it amazing how Christ simplifies things down and man-made religion complicates things? about all this stuff. You have to do this, do this. And then we look at the complicated process of religions and people go, that's really complicated, so that's got to be it. That has to be it. You know, have you ever picked up something, uh, one thing we'll tell, joke around tell the kids, if it's heavy, it's expensive, so put it down and don't touch. Okay? There's a lot of parts to this. We're at the store, no touchy, if you, unless you have the money to pay for it, okay? So do not touch. Leave that alone. That's what we are like with religion. The world is with religion sometimes. If there's a lot of parts to it, it must be right. Jesus said, let me simplify this for you. Love God more than yourself. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. There are no greater commandments than those. Love God more than yourself. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. And then work on those things first and then start worrying about the other stuff jesus kept it very very simple now we're going to be done early today so i'm going to close by speaking candidly one of the most frustrating things in the ministry is when you see someone who is searching i'm going to be honest with you here when you see someone who is searching the mysteries of the bible and their home life stinks that's really frustrating because they're jumping way, they're putting the cart way ahead of the horse. They're an expert on the book of Revelation, but they'll make a big stink if their order isn't right at a restaurant. Their pursuit of wisdom is wrapped around understanding prophecy, yet they don't obey the most basic commandments. They've memorized a lot of scripture, 
but they cause drama and problems everywhere they go. I think this is what the problem is. I think the problem is, is that we've got wisdom backwards. We've literally got it flipped. What we do is we start with the complex and we forget about the simple. The basic commandments. What we do is we go, I'm searching for this out here, somewhere out there. If I can understand every single aspect of the book of Revelation and what God means with all of those and what, what all the prophecy and well, what does this mean? And we go back and forth in time and I've got to be, and we literally become obsessed with considering ourselves an expert on things that our home life suffers and we pay no heed to that at all. It doesn't mean that you being simple and you obeying the simple commands mean other people will. I'm just talking about us personally right now. I can't help what someone else does, but I can help what Nathan does. And I recently talked to uh, a friend of mine who he was talking about how he became obsessed with other religions. He became just, just overly obsessed, so much so that it was hurting, it was hurting his marriage. It's causing problems. He's studying all of the other ones because that way he could debate them and prove to them that they were wrong. And it was this search of wisdom and he did that for a couple of years and he realized it was causing more damage because that was not what God had for him. He had to go back to the simple things. And what we do is we get it completely backwards. We want to start eating steak before we can even drink the milk. Okay? And we go, well, I've been a Christian for so long. I'm just fine. Surely, no, no, no. I can understand. I need to, I need to understand these things. What purpose is it to search out the mysteries of the Bible if you cannot obey the basic commandments of the Lord. It makes no sense. We've got it backwards. And I've talked to people, one of the best things we can do is turn off the podcast. Turn them off. It's confusion. And start reading our Bible. It doesn't mean all podcasts are bad. It doesn't mean all people who are out there teaching and preaching on social media are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying if that's where we're getting our knowledge from, instead of the word of God, the simple instructions of God's word, then we are in trouble because we're jumping to the complex and we're leaving the simple and the complex is not within our reach. There are some mysteries we will never know about the Bible, but the simple is within our reach. That's why God gave that first. Why would God give us a commandment like this if it was totally unattainable? You need to figure out all of the things that I've done. God didn't say that. God even talked to, to Job, and God goes, Job, do you understand who washes the shores every, every single day? The feeding habits of the deer and, 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 and the lamb and other stuff like that. Do you understand? Job, you don't need to worry about any of those things. Just fear God, love God, have reverence for him. We get it backwards. And I think what happens is, is our hearts are out of focus. I think that's the, I think when we get, things wisdom backwards our heart is focusing on something afar and not something near to us what we need to do christian is we need to return to the basics because if we're not living out the basic commandments everything else we think we know doesn't matter at all we have to keep it simple sinner you're a sinner i'm a sinner in this world there's a lot of sin going on we need to get back to the basics and keep it simple God says this in closing. He says, you want wisdom? Fear God. Listen to your parents 
and learn to say no to other sinners. Fear God. Listen to your parents. Godly influences. Learn to say no to other sinners. You want to live as a Christian, Christ says. Love Almighty God more than yourself. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. Commit to those things and then work on the other stuff. Listen, let's commit to obeying the simple commandments of God because, dude, they're hard. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. Take it from someone who's still working on them. We all should be working on them. Let's work on the simple commandments and then we'll get to the complex stuff later. We don't have time for that right now. Let's get back to the basic and let's keep it simple. We're going to close our eyes, bow our heads here. We're going to have a small invitation. Bonnie's going to come play for us. I don't know what is exactly going on in your life right now, but I can say, are you keeping things simple? I can't ask you that question. Or are things getting too complex? I've talked to people, man, I've talked to people who they put the cart so far before the horse, it's incredible. It's, we're looking for the secret. It has to be more complex than it is, and it's not. Love God more than yourself. Love others as much as yourself. Fear the Lord. Learn to say no to sinners, and God's going to bless you. I pray that I'll never get caught up with my wisdom, that I'll always keep it simple in my life.